0: 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hans and Scotty, hope you're well. Uh, NBA draft coming up tonight, helping break it all down. Andy Bailey, kind enough to join us. Andy, how you doing?
1: Good. How are you guys?
0: Doing well. Uh, All right, so before we get to the draft, let's talk about the Jazz and the move for Mike Conley. It's been rumored for a while now, finally came to fruition. Uh, Just in a general sense, just how much better are the Jazz now with Mike Conley on the roster than without him?
1: Uh, I think they're quite a bit better, uh, probably a pretty simple way to put it. But uh, my first reaction when I saw the details of the trade was that the price was actually a little bit less than I thought. I, I know a lot of people have made some good points about this is kind of like they're getting three first-round picks, the Grizzlies, because they get Utah's first this year, and then there's all those protections on the next one, and Grayson Allen is <laughs> just a rookie this season. So essentially they're getting two, or three first-round prospects. But I I thought for sure it was going to take something like Derek Favors, uh, Dante Exum, who I, I know a lot of people are kind of out on him, but I still have some high hopes there. For For the package to essentially be Jay Crowder and three first, that's kind of the way it breaks down to me. And that's no... I, I don't mean to disrespect Kyle Korver, but I just wasn't sure he was going to be a part of the Jazz anyway next season. So the asking price really wasn't that steep in my mind. And the direct upgrade from ricky rubio to mike Conley is it, it to me is just massive uh there were so many possessions last season where defenses just blatantly left rubio alone because they knew he couldn't make him pay from the outside and i think the difference between playing five on five uh, on offense and four on five is is going to be vast
2: i think there's a few different uh projection lines that you can go to but i i looked at sport line and this move took them took the Utah Jazz from the number seven seed in the West to the number two seed, and then increased their chances of winning by ten percent. Um, I'm curious to get your thoughts on just how I don't know what's the word I want to use just how impactful Conley can be to the Jazz as far as Western Conference contenders.
1: Uh. Very impactful. I, I think there were a lot of respected that in the wake of the trade that instantly called them finals contenders. I know that was what Zach Lowe wrote for ESPN. Kevin O'Connor, I think, said the same thing for the ringer, and I think I think it's totally fair. I It's understandable that a lot of teams are trying to really go for it this season because for the first time in uh, several years, it seems like there's sort of an open title window for teams that aren't the Miami Heat or the Golden State Warriors. So a lot of teams are are pushing their chips in, and that's what Utah did here. And I think comedy is absolutely that kind of an impact player. The the one weakness that I think people talked about the most with the Jazz last season was they needed that second guy who could get his own shot. Donovan Mitchell's responsibility was – it was topped by very few players in the history of the NBA for first and second years in the NBA. I think the only guys who had a higher usage percentage than him through their first two seasons was like Jordan, uh, Joel Embiid and Luka Doncic, surprisingly enough. Um, So he was in rarefied air in terms of what he was asked to do. And I think this is going to make him better. Um, I, I think being on the Jazz could make Tommy better too, because for all of his career, he's, he's been sort of the, Lone uh, playmaker for the Grizzlies as well, so maybe maybe he has a little pressure taken off of him too. I, I think they have absolutely pushed their chips in at the right time, and I, I think they got calmly um, certainly not at maybe the peak of his powers, I and mean, maybe that's you know late twenties is typically what we think of as athletic peak. But I do still think he has two or three good years left. So this is a, a well timed, uh, well executed trade for the Jazz for sure.
0: Andy Bailey, kind enough to join us right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Andy, uh, I think there's a lot of people wondering what's the other shoe to drop. Obviously, there's going to be some roster spots that need to be filled. Uh, Is it just uh, not bargain basement, but just filling a roster, or is there an opportunity for the Jazz to go out and get another, you know, mid-to-high-range free agent or another mid-to-high-range acquisition on this team?
1: So, fortunately, I had some – some good cap experts uh, in the media explained this to me yesterday, but what, what Utah has to spend in free agency is what's called the room exception. And it's because they went below the salary cap to acquire Mike Conley. Once you go below the cap, the only exception that you have at that point is the room exception. And next season, that's going to be about $4.7 million. Um, it's it's not a lot. And when you start going to the list of available free agents, you um, it's it's hard to find real high-impact guys that you could think maybe he'll play for $4.7 million. Um, they can also sign veteran minimum guys. They still have a second-round pick. Um, whether or not players who are picked in the 50s actually play in the NBA, is, it's, it's not terribly likely uh, in the history of the draft. So it's going to be they – gotta they got to find great value, I think, with that ring exception. Uh, maybe they go out and find a couple more gems. I mean, one thing that Dennis Lindsay is really, really good at is finding people in places that other general managers can't and and getting great value out of them. Um, Joe Ingles was one of those type of players. Royce O'Neill looks like he's going to be another one, and he might have to play a bigger role next season based on this trade. Um, But I think with that $4.7 million room exception, they've got to find somebody who's got a little bit of size and can hit some threes. Um, Jay Crowder... His three-point percentage with the Jazz, I think, was probably something like 32%, 33%. So comfortably below average, and yet those lineups with him at the four were significantly more effective than the ones with Favors at the four. And I think, I think Utah still needs to be able to go to that wrinkle with the small ball lineups. Maybe George Niang can still provide that. Maybe Ingles plays some more minutes at the four. Uh, but if they could find another guy who's, who's in that 6'7", six, 6'8 six, range and can hit some threes, um, I was actually just talking to a coworker today. Maybe Darius Miller is a guy that, that could fill that role for them. He's, he's a guy who's shot 40% from three in the past. He's 6'8. He's not a great defender, uh, but he at least checks the box as a shooter. They're, they're, it's going to be options like that. They're, they're not going to be in that sort of third, fourth tier free agents. It's, it's going to have to be a value play for sure.
2: I was going to ask you about that with the Utah Jazz having the capability of making Favors official here in a couple of weeks, I think July 6th. Knowing that number, knowing what Favors brings to the table, if you're managing this, what do you do with Favors' contract and, and what could you potentially do if you decided not to keep Favors around?
1: So I've been all over the map on this question, and I think over the last couple of months I've, I've sort of solidified my position I think they should probably keep him. Um, the fit with him and Rudy Gobert—it's not perfect, and I don't—I don't think many people would argue that it is. However, I don't think it's as bad as a lot of people make it out to be. When those two are on the floor, they're dominant defensively, and I think Quinn Snyder figured out something that really works last year. He just plays favors for the first couple minutes of each half, and then he allows him to come back in against bench units. Um, and and in those situations, he was. Excellent. Uh, when him and Ingalls were on the floor without any other starters last season, they outscored opponents by something like 17 or 18 points per 100 possessions, which was one of the best two-man lineups in the league. Um, so that, I, I think they can still do that. Again, you're, you're going to need somebody you can trust to fill those Jay Crowder minutes. Um, maybe it's George Niang. I, I already mentioned this. I, I think if it's Ingalls a little bit at the four, maybe you hope that Exxon can take some of his minutes at the three. Um, it, ultimately, they, they they might just have to shift a few guys down a position if they can't find the value free agents that they want. Um, I do also see the argument for letting him go, though. I mean, he's got that sixteen point nine million that they can waive, um, and that gives them you know significantly more room to deal with. Then you are looking at at some higher tier free agents. You're still probably not getting any of the top ten to fifteen guys, uh, but I think you're a lot more likely to be able to find that sort of stretch four, playmaking four, that you need. I just I don't know if that... I just don't know if letting him go is worth it, because while the fit is not great, I think they've figured out a great way to use favors where he's more of a backup five than a starting four. And if you just look at his numbers in a vacuum, there are some advanced metrics that take favors as a top 25 to 30 player last season. So, to give that up, because the fit isn't 100% perfect, maybe it's like 70 75 um, percent. I'm just not sure I would do it. I, I think right now I'm leaning towards the keeping the favors.
0: Hmm. Andy Bailey, right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and the Zone Sports Network. Uh, looking forward to the draft tonight. Uh, do you anticipate, and this is just across the board, not just jazz related, but just uh, across the entire landscape of the first round? Do you anticipate any fireworks tonight?
1: Um, I, I think we've already gotten a bunch this week, and I don't think they're going to stop. Uh, I can't remember what the record was. Somebody, somebody posted it last night. It was like 13 first-round picks traded in one draft night or something like that. And Adrian Wojnarowski responded and said, I, I think that record gets challenged tomorrow. So I think there's going to be a ton of movement. Like I mentioned earlier, I don't think the Jazz are the only team who sees what just happened to the Warriors and thinks, this is our time. Um, so, so teams are going to be very, very aggressive over the next few weeks. This is such an interesting offseason because, yes, there is this window, um, but there's also just so much that seems to be in limbo too, with Kevin Durant's injury, uh, Thompson's injury, suddenly the Nets aren't so sure about Kyrie Irving. Um, it, it is going to be a wild two or three weeks, and usually the draft night is sort of the start of it. That's when you get your first couple big trades and um, sort of loosens things up, but People couldn't even wait for that this year. I was I was looking at the calendar yesterday. And I thought, and now it's been a week, but yesterday it had been six days since the NBA Finals ended. Um, as of today, it's been one week. and We've already had the Anthony Davis trade. Uh, we've already had the Mike Conley trade. We have more rumors than I can even count right now. Uh, the NBA offseason has become every bit as wild a ride as, as anything that happened in the season to me. So, um I, I'm, I'm obviously not the first one to say this, but this is absolutely a 12-month sport at this point.
2: Andy, will Zion Williamson pan out to be the NBA athlete that everybody projects him to be? I think
1: he is, um, or I think he will. Uh, it's a lot of hype to live up to. There's there's no question about that. And I think the concerns about his shooting are real. They're valid. Um, but I've never... I've never seen an athlete like him. Um, I, I guess the closest thing would probably be LeBron, but even high school LeBron probably weighed, I don't know, 70 pounds less than Zion Williamson does now. I, I've never seen anybody with his frame that was that explosive. It's, it's truly unprecedented. Um, I think another concern that people have that's probably valid is that how well does that frame hold up, um, against nba athletes and throughout an nba schedule um i you know i'm going to knock on all the wood i can find after this interview but i i really hope he can stay healthy um but if he does i think the sky is the limit for him and and he doesn't even necessarily have to be a great shooter in my mind i think a couple teams have kind of figured out ways to make it work even if you're not an excellent shooter Um uh, Giannis sent and ben simmons are the obvious examples to me Um, when you don't command defense's attention off the ball, it makes sense to just put the ball in in that player's hand uh, or hands. So I think if you make Zion a small ball five, um, develop some playmaking chops for him, I I think he could be just fantastic because other than the shot, which is obviously a really, really big box to check, he, he checks everything.
0: I loved watching Ja Morant in college, but I'll also admit that I'm not great in taking a player into the college ranks and and, and, and projecting what he's going to do at the uh, NBA level. With that said, Memphis essentially, and, and it's great for the Jazz, but Memphis sent a 12-year vet that that city absolutely loved, their all-time leading scorer, a fixture of that community, and sent him off because they're so confident in Ja Morant. Uh, do you believe that, he's able to, that he'll be able to take that next step and, and be a star in this league?
1: I I think the way you frame that question is perfect Um, because there isn't, there's certainly a cost to that. Like you said, Mike Conley was, he was Memphis basketball. Um, So they obviously believe uh, very, very heavily in this kid. And um, I'm not as convinced about him as others are. Um, However, I do think he has every chance to be a star. Uh, he's, He's far more explosive than a lot of the sort of, um, I, I was going to say pass first, but he obviously scores too, but to me, he's statistically, his profile is, is somewhat similar to Trey Young's. Uh, lots of scoring and lots of assists, but he's, he's a far more explosive athlete uh, than Trey Young. I, I don't think he has quite the same vision uh, and, and probably not quite the same shot-making ability uh, that Young showed in college and in the second half of the NBA season, but he's got He's got great vision for a point guard. He's got decent size. He's very explosive. Uh, I, I certainly think he has a chance as well, but I'm I'm just not quite as sold on him as some other uh, more knowledgeable draft people are.
0: Well, hey Andy, we appreciate your time. Thanks for joining us, and i look forward to catching up with you again here very soon. Enjoy the draft tonight.
1: Thanks, Andy. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me,
0: guys. That's Andy Bailey coming to you on the Sprint Special Guest Line, where you can lease an iPhone X or 8 and get an iPhone 8 on them. Visit the Sprint store nearest you for details.